Welcome to Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, your source for the straight poop on all things supernatural. We're your hosts. My name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you can call me Shibby. And I'm Ethan Sereski. And I may have gained 50 pounds during the pandemic, but I also lost my sex drive. And this week, we're going to be talking about Cropsy. That's right. We're talking about Cropsy, and as always, on an episode of Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, one of us, me, this week, has done extensive research on a a ghoul, a demon, a ghost, a Cropsy, as it may be this week, and the other, Shibble, has done not much and doesn't know much about this Cropsy character except what he brought in with him. Isn't that right? Yes, and all I really brought in with me was the power of my imagination. Well, that's an excellent thing to bring, because what we like to do first is ask. Chibble, what do you think of when I say Cropsy? What do you think Cropsy is? Well, first, I think of it as a disease that kills goldfish. (laughs) But I imagine that's not what we're talking about. Why? Why would you scratch that off the list right away? That doesn't seem like a supernatural uh, phenomenon. (laughs) It seems something that happens quite commonly to goldfish. And if any of our listeners have lost their goldfish to Cropsy, we want to send you our deepest condolences. They really are just a wonderful pet, and I'm sure you love them very much, and I'm sorry that you found them floating upside down with Cropsy. If you've lost them to anything, even if it wasn't Cropsy, we're sorry. It's true. Uh, So, barring that, you did mention to me that uh, they are from Staten Island. Mm-hmm. That Cropsy is a Staten Island phenomenon. That's right. Uh, so when I think Staten Island, I think the rugged streets of Shaolin and the Wu-Tang Clan. So my first instinct was that it was going to be one of the uh, stage names for uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Because <laughs> that guy has so many stage names. I bet... And what I want to do... Can we go back and forth just naming stage names for Old Dirty Bastard? Can I go first? Absolutely. Osiris. Big Baby Jesus. ODB. Dirt McGirt. Dirt Dog. The Man of a Thousand Rainbows. That's a... <laughs> that's a good one. That's my favorite one. That That is the single best rap name you could ever come up with. The Man of a Thousand... He threw me off. Do you have more? Uh, no. I was at, I was going to try and sneak in. Uh, did we do... Uh, yeah, we did ODB. We did Old Dirty Bastard. Yeah. yeah, I was out. Okay, good. We got through them. All right. If you have more Old Dirty Bastard performing names, please send them to us on Twitter or Instagram. And Cropsy is what you think his other performance. Yeah, and I think the most... His, his last one was Cropsy. <laughs> And that's who Cropsy is? It's just Old Dirty Bastard? <laughs> it's just old... You wanted to do an episode this week about the man, the myth, Old Dirty Bastard. And I'm excited. <laughs> okay. I think that, um, as usual, the best way to explain a cryptid or a ghoul or a Cropsy is uh, via fiction. All right. Via uh, a story. Don't you learn best via story? I always learn best in the form via narrative fiction. (laughs) It's a very strange fact about you, isn't it? Yeah, but what can I say? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. You really didn't know what what to say. What can I say? That was not a rhetorical question. What can I say? All right. Are you ready for story time? Absolutely. Hit me. It's story time. Story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Monster. Story time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story time! You're sound asleep, deep in your REM cycle, having fantastical dreams of whimsy and delight. Your bristly salt and pepper mustache rises and falls peacefully as you slumber. Your name is Mike Lindell, and you are the MyPillow guy. Your dream develops and takes shape. In your fantasy, you walk up to the city limits of a beautiful little village. The welcome sign indicates that this is Crackland. Population, Mike. You smile widely and enter. Just as in a dream, the sign suddenly fades away and you enter a lush green forest where a white rabbit scampers by wearing people slippers. A pregnant caterpillar approaches you, the size of a whale. 
You're not scared, however. This is Crackland, the place you know best and feel safest. The titanic caterpillar rolls to its side, revealing engorged crackpipe caterpillar nipples that you suck on greedily, making cooing noises. You begin to moan. You restlessly rock side to side in bed. It seems that you do too much crack even in your dreams, maybe. The barely, if legal, goth prostitute that Matt Gates loaned you shoots upright in bed. She urges, Mike, wake up, it's my pillow. I couldn't sleep either. It's the my pillow. You get up finally, groaning. You bark at the sex worker that, It can't be my pillow. My pillow is a Savoir bed's Hungarian goose down and feather masterpiece. The black eyeliner comes together as the goth girl blinks. You don't sleep on your own pillow? You laugh an obnoxious roar of a guffaw. Of course not. The my pillow is filled with a load of shitty shredded foam. It sucks. It's uncomfortable and hard. She replies, Oh, I put one under your head before you passed out from the speedball's night train last night. In the, in the crack, of course. God damn it, you bellow. The my pillows are just for guests and suckers. Promo code Q-tip of the iceberg. What terrible sleep you've gotten due to using your own piece of shit sleep product. Things had really been falling apart lately for you, the mustachioed pillow magnate. The big problem was that you had a ton of money. Well, that wasn't actually the problem. The problem was that you were being sued for like 10 tons of money. 1.3 billion, actually, by Dominion Voting Systems. For your participation in the big lie that the 2020 election was somehow stolen. What was most amazing to the public is that you seemed to believe this. With a religious fervor, you had slandered and libeled Dominion and actually stuck to the claims, repeating them on TV when even Fox wouldn't air them for fear of being sued over such spurious assertions. In a crack-induced haze, you claimed there was machine fraud, vote flipping, foreign interference, and dead people voting, in addition to 100,000 mail ballots backdated by the USPS in Wisconsin. You go over these main tenets of your ideology in your head. Just because my truth may be the crack-induced truth, is it not still the truth? And now just because you're a true patriot, big retail stores totally want to cancel you and won't carry my pillows. Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, and Wayfair have already gotten rid of your overpriced rock sacks. Mike, you need new clients and you need them quick. Crack is cheaper than cocaine, but it still adds up. Suddenly you have an idea. This was a real crack shoot because... One out of every one million of your ideas was a successful pillow company, but the rest were like, how about a leaf filter that filters even more leaves? This one wasn't bad, however. It was June, meaning time for summer camp. Campers needed to rest their heads on something. Might as well be a my pillow. You key in some internet terms and find a nice summer camp in Staten Island, New York, booking a private plane and rushing around your palatial pad to find some sales samples. Your paid company sidles up to you and darkly warns she's heard of that camp. It's near Willowbrook, some insane asylum or something. She says she can't remember, but something weird had gone on there with the crops. You've heard enough and swing the my pillow at her, mistakenly knocking her unconscious with the rock-like sleep apparatus. You yell, that was an accident, and throw some money on her prone body, adding, have a pillow, coupon code, Q-tip, and a tribe called Insurrection. Hours later, your plane lands, and you set off in your car to the Staten Island Camp for Summer Fun, formerly known as Camp Redskins. A hard rain has begun to fall. On the way, there is an incredibly loud scratching sound on your roof. You ignore it and turn up the melon camp, the John Cougar melon camp. The scratching continues unabated, but you're on a lot of crack and it helps you ignore scratching. You arrive at the camp just as the storm worsens. You take a look at the roof of your car and almost faint when you find a hook buried in the top of your vehicle. It is almost all the way through to the interior via long, deep scratches. This is too much. You rush into the admin building to figure out what could be going on. You find seven-foot-tall camp director Neon Boudot waiting, awaiting you in the room. You try to explain the hook and Neon cringes knowingly. You bring him outside, but the hook is gone. Neon isn't surprised. He steals his face and says, It's been ten years since he's been here. Who? We need to check on the children. Both of you rush to bunk number one and find a room full of children sleeping. All of the children are accounted for. Neon pauses. There is one empty bed. He gestures for you to follow him. He enters the communal bathroom, slowly opening the door. The missing camper is pinned to the wall by railway spikes his face shredded and blood pooling below him on the floor. You scream and Neon slaps you. The corner of your mustache falls off. 
Neon tells you to get a hold of yourself. All that matters is protecting the children now. Weakly, you agree, but that is certainly not your agenda. Neon wakes the children and tells them to hide under their beds. The two of you continue on to the counselor's quarters for some help. The scene is a slaughterhouse. Bodies lay mangled left and right. One has a screwdriver shoved through the ear canal, and another seems to have had its face crushed by blunt force. There are seven trashed corpses in various stages of destruction. In the corner of the room is movement. A dark figure is crawling around and is carving the eyes out of the last of the counselors and is startled by your footsteps, Mike. The figure rises up. It must be eight feet tall, in a torn and dirty poncho, nondescript dark rain clothes and a hat pulled tight over its face. It stops what it is doing and fixes its glare on you in neon. It squeezes the eyeball in its hand with a pop and tears off after you. You follow the now sprinting Neon on the way back to the admin office to get the gun from the camp safe. Along the way, a lone child stumbles into your path. It's Kevin, the adorable six-year-old with Down syndrome and a penchant for loving hugs and making homemade flower bracelets for all the other children. Neon scoops him up mid-run as you look back to see the fiend gaining on you. Neon throws the admin doors open and carries in Kevin with you right on his heels. He blockades the door with a desk and retrieves the gun. He calms the distraught youngster while you keep your distance, not sure if what the camper suffers from might be transmissible. What seems like hours go by as you begin to feel safe. Neon leads against the wall, still brandishing the gun. You begin to relax. Mike Lindell comes out on top again. Dominion can't get me. Psycho killers can't touch me. I am crack vaccinated against danger. At that moment, two monstrous arms tear through the wooden wall and envelop Neon, ripping him out of the room from the outside. You back up and hide behind the desk, listening to the screams of agony Neon emits from outside. You glance over the desk in time to see the fiend drop Neon's corpse to the ground and advance through the hole in the wall. The monster walks towards you, and you feel a warm sensation in your trousers. You've dirtied yourself, Mike, and it's not the first time. But it will be the last if you don't think fast. You've got it. You grab Kevin, the adorable Down Syndrome child, by the neck and hold him in front of you. Take him, you yell. The little Mongo is yours. Sorry, kid, get yourself a pillow deal. Coupon code subcutaneous. You push Kevin toward the fiend, but the fiend does not react. He walks right past the child toward you, Mike Lindell. Wait, wait, you don't want to do this. Cropsey ignores the frightened child and advances on you while you begin to beg for just one more hit of crack and fumble with the pipe in your pocket. Cropsey snatches the crack pipe and shoves it through your eye socket. You begin screaming. Cropsey smothers you with your own pillow while stabbing at your throat with the hook, watching the blood bloom red all the way through the bright white of the polyester. You, Mike Lindell, are no more. It's a really sad day for some people, I guess. It must be for someone, surely, somewhere. Cropsey takes Kevin gently by the hand and exits the building with the wide-eyed child. He walks with him for a while before disappearing into the opening of an underground tunnel system underneath the nearby Willowbrook State Sanitarium. The child would never be seen again. Cropsey, on the other hand, would be back. Wow. What do you think? Spooky. You've been really, uh, you've been throwing these right-wing Trumposphere characters to the wolves these last couple episodes. I don't even consider him, like, a political figure. I consider him just a, an absolute nutcase. I mean, I won't, I have, I can't disagree. I, I don't think he, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's, like, a political operative. I think he's just someone who damaged his brain so badly with drugs that he's just screaming anything, you know, and he believes it, Yeah. You know? So, I, what was funny was in that story, I kept on being like, I bet, I bet it's Dirt Dog. I bet it's the Dirt Dog. <laughs> but then uh, when you said he was eight foot tall, that that is not the uh, man of a thousand rainbows that I know. Well, he could have looked eight feet tall in the moment. It's true. So we have no definitive proof that Cropsy is not the old dirty bastard. Well, he did not yell, Wu-Tang is for the kids! It's true. He did not interrupt someone else receiving an award to remind us all that Wu-Tang is for the children. But wasn't that so much more charming than when uh, Kanye West interrupted that person? Yes, because Kanye West, uh, I don't know. 
he wasn't talking about it being for the kids. If he had started talking about something being for the kids, then I think I would have been on board. Yeah. But also, then he would have just been ripping off ODB. That's true, and that would have been unacceptable. Did you like the story? I did like the story. It was very spooky. And, uh, you know, just a classic adoration of the hook, it sounds like, which I love. We haven't done any, like, uh, serial killers. Yeah, he's... he's um... He's a he's a nightmare come to life. This Cropsy. Do you want to hear about him? Yeah, yeah. What what separates him just from the classic hook? Well, cr- what make what makes him specific? Oh well, I'm going to start out in general terms. Okay. So the exact opposite of your question. Um, All right. What makes him like the hook? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going to start at the same place on this piece of paper, no matter what question you ask. Uh, okay. Cropsy. How are you doing? <laughs> Cropsy is. The- <laughs> is the boogeyman of Staten Island in New York City. Mm. It's very important. Uh, he's okay. a homicidal... As in he likes to boogie? Uh, no. No, we will get into the etymology later of boogeyman. It's very important, though, that you remember he is a boogeyman. Okay. He is a homicidal madman, like a Michael Myers-type metahuman killer. Okay. Um, you got to remember that. He's not just, you know, like you're... So he's not human. You're gonna have I mean, to draw. He's eight feet tall. You're gonna have to draw your own. Well, he looked eight feet tall in the moment. You're gonna have to draw your own conclusions. These are from accounts, and you have to piece together what you think. Okay. Okay. All right. And TBD. Yeah. You, you got to kind of decide what you think along the way with this one especially. Uh, he was an escaped mental patient uh, that either had a hook for a hand or carried an axe, depending on who told you the story. Uh, one version of the story, he was wronged by kids, horrifically scarred, and must now take vengeance. Uh, real people saw real markings at the sta- sanitarium where he stayed, suggesting okay. Cropsy was a Satanist who could have had satanic powers and used children for sacrifices. Thus, yep. he could have been demonic and not even fully human. Okay, okay. And that's from real, that's from some evidence. All right, there is evidence that he is part demon. I'm going to... Boy, I'd like to see some of that evidence. Parents use Cropsy to frighten their children into being good and staying near home. After all, he could be anywhere waiting to strike, and older siblings would tell Cropsy stories to terrify their uh, younger siblings. You know, boogeyman stuff. Uh, But then, in the 70s and 80s, the children of Staten Island had even more reason to fear their local boogeyman because Cropsy had returned and began to hunt local children. Oh, okay. There was an uptick in, in Cropsy awareness? Well, and... yes, because there was an uptick in Cropsy murdering. Oh, so there were actual murders yes. that we could tie to Cropsy. Yes. Okay. He hunted the children and dragged them back to the tunnel system that lay under the abandoned ruins of the old Willowbrook State School, a former sanitarium for disabled children. Oh, goodness. And that's his kind of home base and origin. We're going to talk about that, the Willowbrook State School. Okay, God, there's a lot to learn here. I'm very excited. Oh my gosh, yes. It's it's a place, Willowbrook, whose name alone, you know, elicits fear from adults and children alike. The institution, built as a respite for children with intellectual disabilities, was revealed to be a living hell in the 70s, although mm. authorities wouldn't close the school until 1987. Uh, earlier, it was called a school, but was nothing more than a warehouse for the developmentally disabled. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy called Willowbrook a snake pit back in 1965, but it wasn't Jeez. closed for the first time for 10 years. That's well, You know it's bad. If, I'm glad it's closed now. No, it then reopened. Uh, the children there had been subjected to rampant sexual abuse and corporal punishment. <laughs> Severe overcrowding led to unsanitary conditions. <laughs> it was also home... This is ridiculous to what has been called one of the most unethical medical experiments on children in U.S. history. Okay, what did they do? In the name of hepatitis research... Oh, Jesus. Medical staff intentionally injected healthy children with the hepatitis virus, many of whom became severely ill as a result. Wow! Can you imagine? That's a bit much. That's a bit much. That's Tuskegee-level craziness. That is incredibly horrible. Wow! That happened. There, the real monster. Move over, Cropsy. Cropsy's pretty bad, too. Let's... <laughs> well, okay. 
But then again, they injected a ton of children with hepatitis. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean... I'm going to still say... Unless... It's going to come down to numbers. Yeah, yeah, really. It's a, it's, a, it's, not, it's a numbers game at this point. But, yeah, in terms of, like, order of bad things to do, I'm going to say injecting children with hepatitis is pretty high up there with, you know, killing people. And many became close. severely ill. I'm sure a few died. I'm sure a few did. And I'm sure a few had to, you know, be on medication for their rest, rest of, the of their lives. lives. Yep. Uh, uh, Many versions of uh, Cropsey's origin story maintain that he was an escaped patient from this Willowbrook, may have been part of the hepatitis research, uh, may have been raped, beaten, and tortured. Uh, He would have left the place very angry and very murderous, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds justifiable. I want to murder the people involved. I mean, doesn't it sound like it would produce a murderer? Yeah, yeah, go get him, Cropsy. Fuck him up. And but yeah, but then you add the satanic stuff, and so now you've got a murderer and a supernatural murderer. Oh God, yeah, he's probably got crazy devil powers, like the additional height. He's got devil height. <laughs> he could have just been a hulking guy, though. Like, um, like you know, what this reminds me of a lot like is the Halloween, big show? the Big yeah. Show. Yeah, he could also be like. I was trying to think of a real big guy, but yeah, I guess also he could be Michael Myers. <laughs> the Big Show. That's your that's your he's... like like go to reference for a big guy. I mean, they they both have big. We both talk about big. Shaquille O'Neal eighty percent of the time, and you go the Big Show. <laughs> well, you said more hulking. I don't know if I would describe Shaquille O'Neal as as hulking lately. No, I mean he's certainly quite big, <laughs> but. You know who else is big? The Big Show. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's a fair. It's a fair reference. I'm not taking anything away from that. Yeah. I. I. I frankly, I don't. I'm. I'm incensed that you think that The Big Show was a bad choice for a big guy. <laughs> well, they inflate He's their numbers. Quite big. I don't know. I don't know how big he really is. They inflate those numbers. WWF. Oh, I'm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm Shaq's sure, a legit yeah. seven one three fifty when he's playing. You know. So. Yeah. All right. So. As if all that wasn't enough, one summer camp variation on the tale of Cropsy inspired a, an actual 1981 slasher movie called mm. The Burning. Okay. Have you seen I it? I haven't seen that one. No. Neither have I, and it's like a cult classic. I'm surprised that neither of us have seen it. Do you know, was it produced on the East Coast or the West Coast? I, I know very little about it, the production. Okay. Just I know that horror movies of that era, I I heard somebody talking about like having a divide in terms of East Coast and West Coast. The West Coast films would always be like slightly more attractive cast members, a little bit more polished, and uh, the East Coast would always be like the ones that would just be filled with blood and and horrible actors. <laughs> Good, I like so, our movies better. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, what's an example of an East Coast horror movie? From that time. Uh, I want to say something like Hide and Go Shriek. Don't know that one. Oh, it's great. A bunch of kids go and hide in at a department store overnight. And uh, then it turns out that uh, uh, there's a serial killer locked in the department store. Oh, no. What bad luck. Yeah. They thought they were just going to, like, drink beer and fool around, but not tonight. Um, the burning features a once respectable man named George Cropsey who goes insane after a prank gone wrong leaves him disfigured and begins killing unsuspecting summer campers with an axe. Uh, warning to everyone. Uh, I don't know what a trigger warning is, but trigger warning. Harvey Weinstein had something to do with this movie. Just a heads up. Fair enough. Um, I also have the full plot from... Um, Wikipedia, which as a bonus feature for this episode, I would like to ha- just listen to Shibble read later. Okay, sounds good. Okay. What was... Uh, 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 okay, so we have real murders attributed to this person. Did they ever catch the real Cropsy? You gotta, you gotta slow down. <laughs> oh, jeez, okay. You gotta, well, then tell me more about Cropsy. Yeah, you gotta slow... You tee that one up for you. You gotta slow way down. I, how, could they catch, uh, how could they catch a supernatural devil worshipping Satan. Well, I was hoping you would tell me. Uh, okay. Well, here's how this legend spread spread cuz before the advent of like creepy pasta when you have the super growth of like uh slenderman and stuff, you had the oral tradition 
And you had mm-hmm. city kids being transplanted in the suburbs where they had no cultural attractions. They had like the local institution, like a Willowbrook. Yeah. And then these places during deinstitutionalization were all abandoned. Thank you know, thankfully with this place. Uh, yeah. wild teens and ghost hunters invaded the grounds. There was a satanic panic. And devil worshippers, you know, they did hold black masses on makeshift altars in some of these places. You had that going on. So kids kids from Staten Island had three things going. They had their own local maniac, Cropsy, the depressing legacy of Willowbrook State School, and a string of mysterious real child murders. So that's the trifecta for a horrifying legend to take a real-life twist. Yeah. So we have the here are the the real uh, kids who uh, Cropsy took. Are you ready? This is sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm ready. And and to all of them, may they rest in peace, and to their families, I'm terribly sorry. Um, in 1972, five year old Alice Pereira vanished. Five year old. Ugh. <sighs> After her brother had left her alone for a moment. Oh, great. And that kid's going to grow up the rest of his life. He left his sister alone for a moment. He was probably like seven. It's not his fault. He's going to have a horrible life. Yeah, Boogeyman got her. Yeah, it did. Fuck. He left her alone yeah. and the fucking Boogeyman got her. What a what a thing to live with. Oh, Jesus. Alice was never seen again. In 1981, year of my birth, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes did not return home after going to the store. Something came up to Holly and her friend yanked Holly into the woods. She was last seen headed through the woods toward Willowbrook, and it was never seen again. All right. Uh, in 83, 11-year-old Tyahese Jackson was reported missing after her mother sent her to purchase food. She did not return. She was never seen again. In 1984, Staten Island resident Hank Gaforio was reported missing after he did not return home. He was described as being quote-unquote slow and had an IQ in the 70s. At the time of his disappearance, he was 22. Body was never found. In 1987, uh, the most high-profile Jennifer Schweiger, born with Down syndrome, was reported missing on July 9th. Her body was found underground after a 35-day search. Police searched the grounds for evidence, and they found makeshift campsites in close proximity to her grave, which is creepy. Oof. So, Cropsy, after all these murders attributed to him... Uh, five. Yeah. Five at least. Those are those yeah. are the, the five that they're, like, definite. But there were a lot more child disappearances. And All right, but they can tie Cropsy to all five. Right. Okay. Uh, became the boogeyman, you know? Yeah. He became a real-life boogeyman. And um, I, I wanted to go into a little of that. Just a quick departure from Cropsy, if that's okay yeah. with you. Is that all right? Yeah, tell me about the concept of boogeyman. Well, it's a mythical creature that adults use to frighten children into good behavior. They have no specific... Mm, like God. Like, <laughs> like like God, exactly. Like religion. All right. So, boogeyman. So, Satan's... so the children all worship the boogeyman. Right. Uh, they have no specific appearance, and conceptions vary drastically by household, but they're commonly depicted as masculine or androgynous monsters that punish children for misbehavior. Like God. All of this sounds very much like God. It, you know what? I can't argue. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to say? You're making an excellent point. Um, they dif- differ on a cultural level, but many are depicted as having claws, talons, and sharp teeth. That's how I always thought of God. As having claws, talons, and sharp teeth. <laughs> Welcome to heaven! <laughs> Along with that, the majority of boogeymen are of the spirit variety, while the minority are demons, witches, and other legendary creatures. Some are even described to have certain animal features like horns, hooves, and bug-like appearances. When looking at the personality of the boogeymen, they are most easily divided into three categories. The kind that punishes misbehaved children the kind that are very violent, and the kind that are there to protect the innocent. Hmm. The first reference to boogeymen would be the English hob- uh, hobgoblins. Excuse me. Ah, goblins! Hi- yeah. Hey, you know what? The three. Pretty good. Pretty good. The English hobgoblins of the 1500s. Many believe they were made to torment humans, and while some only played simple pranks, others were murderers. Hmm. That's a goblin for you. Uh, around the world, we have the cousins of uh, Cropsy. We have Sackman, the boogeyman. <laughs> you like Sackman? 
It's funny. Yeah. He has a sack on his head, and he carries... Oh, he's on his head. Oh, yes. he's No, he's not just, like, with just his zipper undone and just his balls out. Yeah. They call me Sack Man. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me, kids, as they swing from Check side to side. Check out my chicken nugget. He's... <laughs> I got gum on my leg, kids. Um, he's also referred to as El Hombre del Saco. Yep. Or El Robachicos, meaning child stealer. Okay. Uh, then you have El Coco or El Coco or El Cucuy. Mm. Um, in Spain, parents sing lullabies to their children, warning that if they do not sleep, El Coco will come to get them, which you've mentioned is a great way to get children to sleep. Yeah, yeah. That always helps me fall asleep when I think about how if I don't fall asleep right now, something horrible is going to happen to me. Some lore, I thought this was interesting, some lore has him as a kid who was the victim of violence, and now he's alive, but not. Oh, Wow, El Kakui, just out there in that in-between zone. And also, he it, it, they tell the kids that he'll come to get them and make soup or soap out of them if they do not sleep. Soup or soap? Yeah, it just so happens that they sound alike. But soup or soap are the two options. That's what it specializes in. Soup or soap! <laughs> choose your face! Oh, uh, God, I don't really... Why do I have to choose? Choose soup or soap. But I prayed to you my whole life. And now you get a gift of either soup or soap. In Italy, the Babau is portrayed as a tall man wearing a heavy black coat with a black hood or hat which hides his face. Sometimes parents will knock loudly under the table, pretending that someone is knocking at the door and say something like, Here comes Lomo Nero. He must know that there's a child here who doesn't want to drink his soup. Or soap. It is also featured in a widespread nursery rhyme in Italy. Nina nana nina o, questo bimbo a chilo do, lo daro al umo nero, chilo tiene a ano intero. In English, that's lullaby lulla o, who do I give this child to? I will give him to the boogeyman who's going to keep him for a whole year. Okay. So a bit of a study abroad program with the supernatural. Yeah, and in in the U.S., of course, we have the Jersey Devil, um, horse's head, bat wings, cloven hooves, and the serpent's tail. Yep, classic. Bloody bones, uh, boogeyman of the American South. Raw head and bloody bones are sometimes regarded as two individual creatures. One is a bear skull that bites its victims, and its companion is a dancing headless skeleton. Yeah, they're, they're buddies. That's great. I love that. They work as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a skull without a body. And that's kind of... I'm a body without a skull. <laughs> and I'm God. Soup or soap. Soup or soap. What does Satan sound like if, that, if that's God? Probably. God. Welcome. <laughs> well, hi there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come on in. Can I get you some... Arnold Palmer's. We don't have soup down here. Just a nice tall glass of Arnold Palmer. Um, it is also said that a wart, I thought this was interesting, can be transmitted to someone by a boogeyman very easily. Mm, yeah, that makes sense, because they're probably covered with disease. So that is what a boogeyman is, and Cropsy is a boogeyman. So now we have learned about Cropsy and about what he is. So... So he's both a book, but he's both a boogeyman and a real man. He's a real man who's become something more. Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour will be right back. What's so scary about scary movies? What gets underneath your skin waking you up in a cold sweat at night? Greetings, whorehounds. I'm Rob Sercha. I'm Devin Shepard. And I'm David B. Jacobs, and we are Cadaver Dogs. Join us as we dig up the deep-rooted messages and cultural influences buried in some of the greatest films of horror cinema. Each episode, we'll pick two of our favorite scary movies and discuss their history, themes, and the filmmakers behind the lens. From slashics, shriekwolves, and scream makes, to B-horror and Blumhouse, we're here to explore why you care about the movies and loves to scare. Subscribe to Cadaver Dogs wherever you get your podcasts. Or 
find us on social media at Cadaver Dogs Pod and tell us what horror films you'd like us to sink our teeth into. See you next time, pups. Uncle Monster is back! What's next? What's now that we know other boogeymen and we can put him in a constellation of boogeymen? Well, I mean, then I guess my question is, this thing sounds scary, but can it love? A werewolf ain't my dad, but it's not so bad. It might sound crazy, but can it love? Can it give me a kiss? Can it hold my hand? Would it say I love you? Does it understand? Does it know that I've never felt this way before? There's a full moon tonight. It's so romantic. This might sound crazy, but... Can it love? Can it love? Shibble, that's such a weird question. I, I still am not used to hearing that. I don't know if we should go back to can it fuck. I, I, can it love is so weird. <laughs> well, I certainly don't want to do anything weird on this. Yeah, 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 really. I don't want people to think that we're weird. Yeah. Yeah, let's go back to Can It Fuck, which is not weird. Yeah, let's talk about the normal thing, which is about whether or not a Hope Diamond could fuck. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I think it was interesting uh, that boogeymen are either male or androgynous, it said. Mm, yeah, that is interesting. Which doesn't mean it can't love, but oh, it doesn't mean it can't fuck either. And we know either. that it is sometimes a protector. Yes, we, yes and, that, and, and love can precipitate um, protection. Yeah, I'm assuming that it would be doing that out of some sort of affection or or or, or sense of know, duty. The desire to protect something is, uh, uh, I think, a type of love. Unless it's a sense of duty, and that's just the type of boogeyman it is. Oh yeah, just another day at the office. <laughs> get away from those kids. Sure, <laughs> you get the hook. I guess I got to work out of Staten Island. Uh, Hey, get away from those kids, you jabroni. <laughs> or else you gets the hook. Or else you gets the hook. I like that. Uh, 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 are we talking about Cropsy or a boogeyman? Let's talk about Cropsy specifically. I don't think... Do we have any... There's no... nothing. Uh, records of it protecting? No. Just murdering. Okay. Then I'm going to say, doesn't sound very loving. But can it fuck? That sounds crazy, but can't fuck. We gotta as long as that plays, I'm happy with the segment. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, sounds like it can fuck. See, it sounds like this boogeyman can fuck. I disagree. Okay, go on. I think most. See, this is just conjecture. I this is what I think. This is not based in fact, but if you grow up from a very young age in such a terribly traumatic place as that state school and you're probably sexually abused i mean i i i would think that sexually you would have some problems that's fair or or you may want to take it out with sexual violence but there's no record of rape so if there's yeah yeah so if there's and no sexual boy, violence really... i would think there is no like romantic aspect yeah boy this segment's hilarious now <laughs> what, what happened i saw your eyes like switch off you turned off on this segment oh out of nowhere i was just like wow we're really talking about the cycle of child sexual abuse uh, i gotta think of a joke <laughs> Or you could just discuss Shit. it. You don't have to feel pressured to make a joke about the ch- abuse cycle yeah. of child sexuality. Yeah. 
Why should I feel pressured to make jokes on a comedy podcast? Do we, okay, ready? On the spot. Knock, knock joke about child sexual abuse. Knock, knock. Who's no, there? you have to do the joke. You do the knock, knock. Well, then I would, should yeah. be the one that says knock, knock. knock Who's knock. there? <sighs> a dick. A dick? <laughs> a dick who? It's me, your dad. <laughs> That works. I like it. All right. I think okay. I think I think we've covered can it fuck and can it love for Cropsy. I don't think he gives us much material to work with in in that way. I think it's time to move on to fight night. What about you, Shibs? Yes, fight night. Fight. So, how many shacks do you think it's taken to take down a cropsy? Prime Shaquille O'Neal's. Keep in mind, even your prime Shaquille O'Neal does not have devil powers. He doesn't, but he's prime Shaquille O'Neal, so... <laughs> he is, uh, but also... Uh, sounds like Cropsy's got about a foot on and him. And a weapon. And, yeah, which is either attached to his hand... Or is an axe which will extend his reach. Three. I like it. I feel confident that three could take. I it. think that even with metahuman power, two shacks could restrain him, mm-hmm. and one could tear his head off or saw his head off with a you know with whatever he finds yeah. or just grab his axe, shove his own hook into. He do throat. something. He could you know rip his eyes out. I mean, two could restrain him. So I think that three could take him out. I'm plunging my thumbs through your ass. It feels like grapes. <laughs> soup, soup, God, soup, soup. Shax is psychotic in that situation. Super soap, Cropsy. <laughs> soup or soap. Um. Okay, Cropsy versus you on a sugar high and Suge Knight. Okay, boy, is that prime Suge Knight? Yes. Okay, is it prime me? It's you now. Me now. Well, Which is prime you. I consider that prime you. Yeah, I mean, maybe not physically. You're fine. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'll say... Nah, I'm going to say crops. He's got us in this one. Suge is a big guy. He's a fighter. He's, I believe, murdered people. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we can go make that statement. Well, I, I believe that he's held people out of windows. Yes. I believe that story. Yeah. Everyone believes uh, that. Yeah. So I'm going to say that even with that, Cropsy's got too big a height advantage. I am not going to be very effective. I'm probably going to uh, be very afraid and run. Wow. I was just going to say... And going to be like, yep, where are you going? Yep. Yeah, and then while Shogun has his back turned, that's when he gets the hook. Best case scenario, I escape. Okay, good one. Cropsy versus Sphinx. A Sphinx. Sphinxies can grow to be pretty big. If I recall, the plural of Sphinx is Sphinxies. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. Uh... So <laughs> I think that they can get to be pretty big, like about the size of a black shug. Wait, what do you think so, I'm talking about? A sphinx? The sphinx. Oh, oh, the statue of yeah. the sphinx? Okay, I was thinking for some reason of the sphinx from like myth. Uh, Wait, isn't it the okay. same? Well, well, the Sphinx in Egypt is uh, Egyptian, whereas the Sphinx of myth is Greek. I don't know if they're the same. Oh, I I, I wanted I, the one that asks the riddles. Okay, the one that asks the riddles, I think, is not as big as the statue. Okay, I want that one. Uh, it's probably like as big as like an elephant. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty fucking big now that I say elephant. Yeah, I'm going to put this one on the Sphinx, because it also has amazing riddling powers. 
And it's not going to get the riddle right, obviously, Cropsey. No, yeah, Cropsey doesn't sound, unless he can invoke his demon powers to solve riddles, I don't think he's got Cropsey versus Michael Myers with the mask on backwards. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> What's funny is, I think having the mask on backwards might play to Michael Myers' advantage. Because <laughs> Cropsey's thinking, I'm going to stab him in the back. I got him. And then, nope, got him. Oh. Stabs. Gotcha, Cropsey, you son of a bitch. I didn't think Michael of it. Michael Myers takes Didn't it. think of it like that. That's really good. All right. Because that's the exact type of trick Michael Myers would try and play in somebody. And they're very similar characters, I think. So that maybe that little added advantage gives it to Michael Myers. Um, yeah. Cropsey versus... A girl who looks just like his mother and has knowledge of his past. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, then I'm going to have to put that on the final girl. Always bet on the final girl. Cropsy versus a really sharp knife sticking straight out of the ground that has kid blood on it. Okay. He's going to be probably super drawn to kid yeah. blood. He loves it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say Cropsy's the type of guy if he's like your classic horror slasher one stab is not going to kill him. He'll take a... You need to like dismember. You need to explode. Oh no, Shibble. You're, you're, you don't understand my strategy. Okay. Have you ever read the poem Wolf Knife? Nope. By Donald Hall, I believe. Um, All right. He's trapped in the wilderness, and the wolves are circling. So he puts his blood on a knife and sticks it straight out of the ground, and the wolves come and lick his blood off the knife and bleed to death, licking the knife. What a bunch of freaks. But isn't that crazy? I like it. It's a good strategy. Uh, does Cropsey canonically lick knives? No, that's the problem, no. Well, wolves don't yeah. canonically lick knives. It was just an idea. They love it. Are you kidding me? Have you ever offered a wolf a knife covered with peanut butter? They would go crazy. <laughs> That's true. That is a good point. He should have, instead of using his blood, he should have used some peanut butter. That's good. Okay, with peanut butter. Yeah, that's that's a better poem. <laughs> uh, I'm going to release a new version. Peanut of it. butter knife. <laughs> yeah, and everyone will be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Um, the last one you can pick. Cropsy versus five Minneapolis police officers or Cropsy versus She-Ra. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say Cropsy is going to take down those cops. These cops need a boogeyman, and Cropsy is the boogeyman for today's cops. Okay. Change his name to Copsy. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. I like how you shot that one right over the bow. I like it. What an excellent so, fight night. I thought that went very well. Yeah, no, those are some good lineups. Those are some good picks on your part. You want some, by the way, you want some um, Staten Island facts? Staten Island facts. Staten Island is the home of who? The Rizza, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspected Deck, Raekwon the Chef, You God, Ghostface Killer, and the Method Man. Go Wait. I'll do it again. What about Golden Arms? <laughs> Golden Arms is You God. Oh, you got his golden arms with the same guy? Okay. I think so. The Wu-Tang Clan, in other words. That's the home of the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Cappadonna? Uh, he was not included. not in the Wu-Tang Clan? Not included in the original. It throws me off because, for me, the definitive Wu-Tang song is Triumph. And he's in he's it. He's on Triumph. He is in it. And he's terrible in it. I, I don't want to say that because if he hears it, I like Cappadonna. I like Wu-Tang. Yeah. And let's be honest. He's actually really good in it. Terrible is a, an exaggeration. He might not be the best guy on the track, but he's a great rapper and he does a great job. Okay, I'm looking up his verse right now. Right, that's where he goes. Uh, vocabulary, Donna talking, tell your story, walking, run to your brother kid, run to your team. I'm trying to find the lyrics. Oh, here we go. I twist arts from the heart, tried and true, loop my voice on the LP, martini on the slang rocks, certified chatterbox, vocabulary Donna talking, tell your story walking, take cover kid what, run for your brother kid, run for your team, and your six can't rhyme groupies. Okay. Uh, shibble. All right. Yeah. 
it's great. It fit the song. He did an excellent job. I love the song. It wasn't the strongest verse he ever ever did. No, no, that's fair to say. Okay, Staten Island is the wealthiest borough. The median <laughs> that's crazy. The median household income is seventy three thousand dollars, according to the Census Bureau. It narrowly beats out Manhattan, where residents make seventy two k. Interesting. Want to hear a crazy one? Yeah. Westeros from Game of Thrones, which you do you even know what Westeros is? It's a place. It's like the place of Game of Thrones. It's where the throne is. Right. It is Staten Island. <laughs> you sounded so exasperated. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just want I want you to see it and enjoy it. I want you to like it. Um, George R. R. Martin grew up in Bayonne, New Jersey, and he often gazed out his window and wondered what Staten Island was like. Later, it's like Westeros, <laughs> the home of thrones. Later, when he started writing a song of ice and fire, he used the island shape as the model for Westeros. Oh, okay. So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. You got to watch that. I mean, it's just unacceptable. Okay. You have to be able to comment on it. I mean, it is it is part of the zeitgeist. I mean, we could we I could do a special on like the monsters of Game of Thrones or something. Uh, yeah, like, uh, there's Isonaut and Wolfie. All right. And <laughs> Wolfie. <laughs> Chivalry, are you getting scared yet by this story? <laughs> I am so scared. Are you scared? And I'm dying to know there were real murders. Yeah. Is it real? Is real? Check it, Bavakasha. Hey! Hey! Is it real? That's an interesting question. Cropsy is real. Oh, what? Cropsy's real name is Andre Rand. Andre Rand's real name, because <laughs> Andre Rand was born Frank Rushan. Rushan. Okay. The origin... I was hoping his real name would be like K-R-O-P-C. <laughs> the origins... Or, the origins, I just said... <laughs> I threw you off with You K-O-P-C. did. You did. <laughs> I was thinking about it while I was talking. The origins of the name Andre Rand are unknown because he was born Frank Rushan, but he goes by Andre Rand and now Cropsy. According to his younger sister in the 2009 documentary Cropsy, neither she nor Andre Rand were sexually or physically abused as children, so forget about that. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah, for him. Uh, when, yeah, yeah, and for her. Oh, for her, definitely. For him, who cares? Um, when he was 14, his father died on um, in 1958, and his mother was institutionalized at Pilgrim Psychiatric Center in Brentwood, New, uh, Brentwood, New York, where they would visit her as teenagers. So there is a history of mental illness, and the father died when they were very young. And a tie to a uh, inpatient uh, mental health care facility. Want another tie? In the mid-60s, yeah. Rand worked as a custodian, orderly, and physical therapist at the Willowbrook State School. Okay. Wow. Okay. Creepy. One the- and weird that he had those three jobs. It feels like the custodian shouldn't also be the physical, physical therapist. therapist. <laughs> <laughs> like, is he trained for that? I guess it doesn't matter at this shithole, right? I, no, no, it, it, it doesn't. It just doesn't. They'll hire anyone. I think it, it, yeah, I read they're that. they're just like, yeah, you get three paychecks. It's fine. Then we have to worry about one less guy. <laughs> Two less guys. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless the physical therapist is always the custodian. So then just two less guys. Um, one thing he did that, that uh, should have been a warning sign. Um, once he picked up a group of 11 children from the YMCA located on Staten Island in a school bus purchased a meal for them without the consent of any of their parents and took them to the Newark Liberty International Airport in the state of New Jersey. None of the children were harmed in this encounter, but Rand was apprehended and served 10 months in jail for unlawful imprisonment. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is like a... That raises some questions. That's odd behavior. That's super odd behavior. It's even odd. If he'd hurt one, I would have been like, oh, okay. You know, I get it. Yeah. He's a crazy guy. He's definitely a crazy guy. Yeah, it's crazy. So did they they tied him to those five murders? Whoa. <laughs> Do you want me to read the end first? <laughs> uh, no, no, what happens? Where's this going? What more? Keep, I'm just like, joking. Okay. It's the next sentence. In 1988, Andre Rand was charged with the kidnapping and first-degree murder of, Je- of Jennifer Schweiger, 
who is the last of the children who I mentioned, the one with uh, Down syndrome, mm. who was found um, after the 35 days search. He was found underground with the campsites nearby. Okay. The Staten Island jury could not reach a verdict on a murder charge, but convicted Rand of the first-degree kidnapping charge, which is weird. Okay. He was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He would have been eligible uh, eligible for parole in 2008 if not convicted of a second kidnapping, mm. uh, which he was, um, thankfully. According to the Cropsey documentary, some people along with detectives speculated that Rand may have been involved with Satanism and provided the children to be sacrificed. So that is a real thing. Yep, he loves kissing the devil's butt. Well, I mean... This is one of the only stories you've done where there's actually a chance that this guy's sacrificing kids to Satan, and who knows what you get for that. Probably super devil powers. Uh, well, if you get something, I mean, that that's one of the top choices, I would think. that. <laughs> yeah, I would want, yeah, if I'm sacrificing children to the devil, I'm going to want some super devil powers. That's going to be the first thing that I want, what, but not the only thing. What would the first devil power you want be? Invisibility, yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, oh, more than flying by far. Oh my God, you could do anything. You could steal you everything. Oh my God, do you ever imagine I could find that? out what people really think about? Oh, I don't care. I would steal everything. No, I'd be like, hey, let's talk about Chris. <laughs> and be like, hey, yeah, hey, what about Chris? What do you? What's the real poop? What do you guys think about Chris? Be fantastic. As long as you're doing that with them in one room, so in the other room I could be robbing them. Okay, sounds good. All right, excellent. Um, no, don't rob people whose opinions I value. <laughs> rob someone else. Well, what if they have a bad opinion? Well, no, then I need to work on I need to work on me. This will be a great way to find out how to improve myself. <laughs> there were people also who thought that Andre Rand was not alone in the commission of his crimes. Many believed he... the devil was probably involved. Well, that's at least one other person that we know who was involved. So that's two right there. Uh, yeah. Many believed he was passing the children ar around to his friends in the underground network of homeless and men mentally disabled people living in the tunnel systems of the former Willowbrook State School. So that's scary. That sounds very scary, and now nah, that's that sounds a little hysterical. That one I would need some evidence before I believe that. Yeah, that he was passing children around to... Yeah, to a network of deranged pedophiles living beneath the nearby insane asylum. Or as we call it, the Democratic Caucus. Oh, am I right? Woo! Am I right? Zinger. <laughs> no, we're not doing that bit. Uh, but you are right. Soup or soap. Soup or soap! In 2004, Rand was again brought to trial, this time charged with the kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes 23 years earlier. There's no statute mm. of limitations in New York first-degree kidnapping, which made this possible. That's yeah. A jury convicted Rand of the kidnapping in 2004, and he was sentenced to another consecutive 25 years to life in prison. He'll, he will become eligible for parole in 2037 when he is 93. Okay, I think by then he will not be a danger to society. With super devil powers, he would. Yeah, right. With super devil powers, he's probably. If we can find a picture of him, let's see if he looks the exact same age. Oh, well, when no, because he hasn't been sacrificing kids. When he gets out and sacrifices more oh, kids, oh yeah, he'll look young yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every kid will take off a decade. That. That's the deal the devil will make with. He's him. probably 120 now. He's going to have to kill, like, five kids before he starts being a larger threat, though. Like, he'll still be in danger of, like, diabetes and heart disease <laughs> after the first two or three kids. And, by the way, due to budget cutbacks and abysmal working conditions, just about anyone could have gotten hired at that institution, you were asking. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds absolutely right. Uh, Rand's first, and to that point, Rand's first conviction for sexually molesting a nine-year-old girl happened Ugh. just just disgusting dis, despicable Ugh. happened after he left employment at Willowbrook however one look at the drooling bug-eyed Rand outside the courthouse at his trials let you know something wasn't right with him uh, where his story takes a really weird turn is in 1966 I can't believe it hasn't taken a weird turn yet no no it seemed pretty straightforward at this point the the janitor from the old abandoned insane asylum murdering uh, children with down syndrome to Satan underneath the tunnels beneath the insane asylum yeah that seemed 
So he le- straightforward. <laughs> he he left his job at Willowbrook, but not the grounds. So he quit, but he set up a campsite outside, and he wasn't alone. Many, many more people, some who were never patients there, came and lived at his new Willowbrook campsite for crazy people. Okay. Once these these institutions closed, former patients, along with other members of the homeless populations, also moved into the underground tunnels that connected the buildings, and they made camp on the grounds outside. So I guess he started that. Okay. So that is believable. Many still believe that there are hidden human remains lying underneath the weeds, trash, and bramble on the grounds. Oh, I'm sure, but I bet those were from when it was an institution. That's probably right. There's probably a ton of just unmarked grave. Oh, God, the hauntings (laughs) in that place. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, thanks. What all the Staten Island victims had in common, really, was their innocence. They were snatched from their homes where they lived with loved ones who desperately searched for them. Uh, Staten Island pulled together as a community, and many are still searching for the remains of these victims so that the families can have some semblance of closure. As for Rand, he's not talking, at least not about anything that makes sense, which doesn't surprise me. He sets up interviews where he's serving time at Sing Sing, only to refuse to see visitors when they arrive. Unnamed and unlocated satanic cult members are also thought to be suspects. Some say it might have been a former patient or group of patients who lived in the tunnels. Did he act alone? Will Rand ever confess? What was his motive? Some say his experience working at Willowbrook launched him on a bizarre, twisted crusade to stop the suffering of little children, particularly those with handicaps. That Rand was employed to help children and then deliberately set out to hurt them is the scariest piece of the puzzle. Wow. That's why in the story the little boy had um, Down syndrome. Well, it looks like we're getting the red light from Uncle Monster. What happened? What? Was there more? Oh, I thought you got sad. No. I thought it, I thought it bummed you, get... you out at the end. I mean, uh... Here, let me cheer you up with three more Staten Island facts. Okay, hit me, hit me with those Shaolin facts. What with the sparse public transportation, the massive landfill, and the fact that Staten Islanders didn't have a bridge to the rest of the city until the 60s, Staten Island voted to secede in 1993, but it did not happen. Number two, the toll on the Verrazano Bridge is $16. Whew. And finally, the Staten Island, the Staten, the Staten Island Ninja broke into 19 affluent island homes starting in 2007 and was never caught, reaching near legendary status. While some regard him as a joke, the NYPD found him a serious threat, having dedicated two task forces of 36 officers to his case. There was a $6,000 reward from the city for the capture of the Staten Island Ninja, who was dressed as a ninja. Hell yeah, this dude rules. I like him. Yeah, fucking get it done. I see it now too, Shibs. Oh, the red light. The red light. We're getting the red we light are. from Uncle Monster. <laughs> oh my goodness. UM, do you have any uh, movie recommendations for us? Yeah, because I mean, we're going to have a whole a whole uh, uh, week here where we don't have an episode. What should we be watching in the meantime? Uh, I would probably watch... Uh... You got? Has, have, have you guys ever seen Urban Legends, <laughs> starring uh, uh, the guy from Dawson's Creek, Pacey? Pacey, he's in it. Uh, that's a good one. And remember um, to listen, like, subscribe, and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Check us out on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at UncleMonster6. We now, I am happy to say, have a Patreon that we would love you to send us free money to, at UncleMonster6. Uh, in exchange for that uh, Patreon membership, you get early access to episodes, you have bonus episodes, uh, you get our undying love and affection. So, check it out, and uh, until next time... <sighs> Don't get spooked! spooked.